Hello and welcome to Connected, a podcast about people, ideas, marketing, technology and everything that's good in this world. I'm ASD, a digital man here at Mediacom. Hi, I'm Sue Uniman, Chief Transformation Officer at Mediacom. And joining us today is Chris Forrester. How are you doing, Chris? I'm very well, thank you. Good to see you both. Well, good to speak to you both. Uh, Chris is the Chief Revenue Officer at The Telegraph, having previously been the Spotify Country Manager and MD at PrimeSite. So, Chris... How has the Telegraph had to evolve due to our current circumstances due to COVID? So, uh, I mean, physically, like everyone else, we, we sort of packed up and went home. Um, teams adapted well. We took flexible hours before then where you were only sort of, sort of scheduled to be in between 10 and 4 and everyone got a day a week at home. So they were prepared. They'd be taking the laptops home for weeks in the run up to it. And so when Boris said we're going home, we were, we were ready and it was good. Editorial. A story like this will play to our strengths. Uh, uh, you know, throughout history, readers have turned to quality news brands around big events, trusted information, start analysis, sort of really understanding what's going on. So on one hand, it was day-to-day business as usual. It's what we set up to do. On the other, you know, a journey through uncharted territory. So it's the event of a lifetime. Uh, personally, I don't think I've ever seen anything evolve so quickly and change so quickly. So, you know, the, 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 the requirement to the newsroom to respond to that. So you're kind of reflecting the mood of the nation as well as soothing the mood of the nation, as well as informing the mood and sort of really sort of you know, breaking down exactly what's going on. You know, at first it was working from home, exercising, schooling, cooking. Then it was, you know, we sort of it was quite personal. And then we started to look up and out. So it was like, can I travel? Where can I go? Finances, getting back to work. So you know the, the the newsroom has evolved really well with sort of you know the story and the, the involving story commercially just tough um i think it's the same for everyone it's improved as we move through the year i think you know a couple of things have been interesting just much more flexibility needed and i think we've responded well to this because news news brands have always been sort of flexible a couple of key sort of changes we realized quite early on that there was a real concern around how messaging and tone and voice was going to be seen and whether it's going to impact consumers' attitudes. So we sort of adapted our reporting quite quickly to some to give some sort of reassurance to brands who were, were advertising so they could see the results um, and quickly worked out that the industry data wasn't going to reflect the new norm. So we did things like mindset trackers and started to feedback sort of how consumer feelings were changing and hopefully be able to sort of educate and help brands understand sort of how, and how to talk to readers on the platform. It's really interesting. Uh, I've had a little bit of an insight into this because purely by chance, you're sort of my brother's boss's boss. So I've I've had the other side of it. <laughs> you have. You <laughs> have. So I know the truth. And uh, it's, it's pretty much exactly the same. Um, now, 25 years ago, the Telegraph was the first newspaper in the world to go online. How are you continuing to evolve? So building on what you've already just told us. So to, to future proof us, we set an ambitious goal. So to pioneer new ways to serve at least 10 million registered customers, a million subscribers by 2023 through quality journalism experiences. So it's a you know, it's an ambitious goal. We're delighted on our progress, but but to achieve that, the whole business has to continually evolve and you know attract new audiences. What I've done is I've picked a, what last week was a very good week, so I've picked some highlights from last week to try and explain or demonstrate sort of how we've evolved. So one of the big stories at the moment is the US election. So Tim Stanley covered the debate in hours, literally massive, a few hours, 110,000 page views and 500 comments, which is a real sort of progress in terms of readers being able to genuinely get involved and debate it as part of the story. There's an election polls tracker. We've done a webinar this week from um, the U- or from a US editor. We've got a WhatsApp group. 
We've got a US, uh, US election newsletter, it's one of 46 newsletters, and we've got a bit of fun, test your knowledge. So that's like one story, and you can see all the elements of that in terms of how our readers can get involved and how they can consume it. We got, um, we've it's got a revolution, really. <laughs> it's a revolution. I mean, it's, it's from, from when you and I started out and the kind of institution that the Telegraph was then, it's a revolution. Thank you. Yes, I mean, it, it, it is. And there was another a couple of things just to touch on. We've, we've now got four podcasts in the top 50 of the Apple News podcast charts. Only the BBC's got four. We became the um, biggest quality news brand on YouTube last week, 1.46 million subscribers. Again, last week, Snapchat made their publisher subscriber numbers uh, public. So we've got 1.88 million subscribers and we found out that we were second um, in the UK only to the mail. So and that's, you've said it, it's a revolution and just the, the ability for um, readers now to engage with us on so many different platforms. And what we're, I mean, I'm always really proud of it, about young people engaging in the news, being yeah. very active uh, in a way that I don't think, well, I certainly wasn't as my, uh, when I was young and I don't think it was easy, easily available uh, when we were yeah. young. Well, I mean, my dad, you, you weren't allowed to read his copy of the paper because um, otherwise it had to be ironed. So, uh. <laughs> that's, but that was that back then. That was really common. Yeah. That, you, know, I, you know, so many people would say, oh, I wasn't allowed to read the newspaper until my dad had read it or my mum had read it. I mean, yeah, my mum read the telegraph for, for the crossword. And so oh, I couldn't do the crossword. Well, I wasn't allowed to touch it until the crossword had been done. Now, you've worked across a lot of big names in press and outdoor. And obviously commerciality is your 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 it's in your title it's, it's part of your name yeah. do you think to just talk a bit about the devaluation of this with the increased focus on digital transformation and and really what's the point of view about quality journalism where does that come into the commercial commercial conversation i mean the the, the brand values for the telegraph have been broadly similar for you know, 160 years, whether it was you know, the newspaper or the 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 the, the evolved digital product that I've talked about today. Uh, this this statement might surprise you. It's not my view, but I would argue that news brands evolved possibly better than any other traditional sector in a digital age from a reader consumer perspective. And mm -hmm. as I've sort of talked about earlier, in terms of the ways which you were able to engage with it in the different age, it's not just written; it's audio, it's visual. Um, and so, I, I, you know, I believe now that our digital transformation has actually helped to make us strong as a brand. Um, we're beautifully presented, we're more engaging, we're more yeah. relevant to young people. It's when you want to read us or when you want to listen to us yeah. in whatever format, wherever. So, this, I mean, I, you know, the numbers back it up. Subscribers have grown 23% this year. They grew last year. We've now got 524,000 against a million and nearly 7 million registrants against the 10 million. Digital subscribers have grown by 110,000 this year. And only a few years ago, you know, everyone would have expected to be able to read and enjoy the Telegraph for free. And there was always the question mark about whether a news brand was going to be able to charge digitally. So I think you know, we've embraced digital transformation from a product perspective. From an ad perspective, it's obviously so, uh, you know, part of my job and part of my job under the remit. There's been a, bit, a big shift now. So rather than straight advertising strategy, the sub-strategy has delivered a reader-first advertising strategy. So, you know, the product is less cluttered, it's more impactful. It, you know, it, it's, um, I think the, uh, the ads, are, are ads are additive. But, you know, the audience has changed, it's known, there's no third-party data. We're able to use real demographic, real behavioral insights. We're seeing genuine engagement. We've got things like um, Telegraph Texture, which is a partnership with Oracle. You know, we're a publisher, so context is really important. And we've got a product now that can analyze 
in a way, a human would sort of the relevance of the article or the nature of the article and start bringing in sort of, you know, relevant brands to relevant um, journalism. It's like, you know, tone improves message um, effectiveness, but also it's we're starting to eat away at the blocking. So articles that are totally brand safe that would have been blocked, we now started to unblock. And then so the other bit would be effectiveness. So we lost metrics of matter, which is sort of moving on from the click where, you know, brands can now see what attention they're getting. So it's, you know, hover rates, interaction rates, scroll rates, and then as a result, sort of what the awareness, consideration, preference. So it, it, it you know, I think I'm actually, you know, as you can tell, I couldn't be more pleased with the way it's evolved and how yeah. we've adapted to the digital revolution. And, you know, from an ads point of view, we've adapted really well to the, you know, subscriber first um, strategy that we've got. Brilliant. And now to a question that I know Andrew is very reluctant to ask. <laughs> I'm not often allowed to talk about football, so I'm very excited to be able to talk about football. You're a big Liverpool fan. Yeah. Uh, what can we learn from Klopp's time at uh, Liverpool? Well, as we've just talked off air, we can both learn that we were both at the same, pl- same time, same place, the same time, June the 1st last year. Yeah, we uh, so, I mean, uh, outside of the success, I think uh, uh, culture is a big thing. I think it's probably for me the biggest thing. So, you know, he's he's really well liked by a lot of fans and he's obviously well liked by us. Uh, there's when he when he arrived, he got the team to meet the support staff. Was our story, but I sensed that it was pretty unusual, both in Liverpool or any other club, where you know they all felt part of the journey. And it reminded me of the uh, story with um, uh, back to Cape Canaveral, where um, a, a, a journalist was there and he asked a, somebody who turned out to be a janitor what he did. And a guy said, I put people on the moon. And the, and the whole, everyone in that building or that business, that whole job was focused on one thing. And I think that's what he's brought to Liverpool, that everyone is in it together. We're all there to support whoever, whichever 11 men are on the pitch. As a result, relationship with the fans changed. You know, he understands it's our club. He's passing through to Nick and All Black statement, leave the jersey in a better place. He wants to leave the club in a better place. And he, he takes it hard. So there's, when he first arrived there, Liverpool were losing as a, Many clubs, we were no different. Loads of fans sort of leave before the end of the game because it's not going going our way. And he wrote a piece and said, "I felt on my uh, on my own. I didn't feel you were with, in in there with me." And and as a result, he he I wasn't that. It was the one thing, but that very very much changed the the team the ratio the team had with the pitch again and the players that were on the pitch. And we felt like we were the twelfth man and we were in it. So culture big. It, it, from that, he brought trust. He shows his vulnerable side. Which I think is I always think is an excellent quality mm. from a leader that you show you're you're not invincible and that you have a human side and mm. Um, mm. and from that's come you know he's humble and honest he responds well to defeat you know I think he shook the players' hands a bit probably harder than he would have done you know if they'd have lost so um, so he's brought a lot of stuff. What's next for you? Um, well, I'm assuming by this you meant outside of sort of. The, However, the you'd like to answer the question. Uh, okay. So I think so. Just between us and our listeners. Oh, okay. <laughs> Good. Um, well, I did. I mean, it, I'm not sure this is what's next, but this is sort of what I'm, I'm. I'm trying to become more interested in. I did a coaching course a few years ago. This is obviously a very strange year. I've not been able to go away on holidays. So instead of taking traditional holidays, I've gone off into courses. So I did an NLP course, master NLP, because I enjoy the NLP so much, and a clinical hypnotherapy course. And it's all wrapped up in. I I feel like I want to give more back. So. Yeah. Uh, as we've discussed on many occasions today, I think women are doing a great job of supporting women, promoting women, and I think there's men out there doing a great job. I think we can do more. Mm-hmm. And so I, 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 
my nature is not to try and go and do something until I feel I have the skills to do it. Um, I don't jump in unless I think I can swim. So I've sort of gone off trying to find, you know, and build on my skills. And then my next thing is I'd like to do more sort of mentoring and coaching sort of people. I mean, I, I think I'm lucky. I've been fortunate. I could be privileged and I've had great sport along the way. And I think that um, I should recognise that I do a bit more. So that's sort of what's next. It's not really what's next. It's what I'd like to do on the side. Very, very human theme coming out here. I'm really loving it, Chris. So on to our regular questions that we ask all of our guests now. So what is your favourite line from a poem, a song or a book? Now, someone day before yesterday tried to get a film line in there. So we and we said no. So we've been very strict. <laughs> We're very strict on these questions. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I, I got that impression. So mine, you'll be pleased to know is from a song. You'll probably be less pleased to know what it is. So it's when you walk through a storm, hold your head up high and don't be afraid of the dark, which is obviously the first few lines would be "Never Walk Alone," which is not my favourite song. Um, let's be honest, but I think it's. I think being a football fan is pretty emotional journey about who you support. Mm-hmm. Being a Liverpool fan has been a fairly emotional journey. It's not all been good. Um, it still brings a tear to my eye, which so my mates would laugh at, particularly obviously the ones that aren't Liverpool fans. Yeah. But it's you know it's, it's been an, an emotional roller coaster. I also hear it sang a lot by other clubs, and it, you know there's a lot of people who aren't Liverpool fans who get a lot of um, strength from it, and actually unfortunately hear it at a lot of funerals, regardless of whether they're football fans or not. So I think it's a pretty powerful song. Chris, if you were a genie, what five commonly available objects would I have to put in a magic circle to summon you? So, so I put in boxing gloves at first because it's the thing that I've loved in terms of the sport. And then I've taken it out because I've not been able to train for nearly a year. And so it feels like I was, it was slightly fraudulent, if that makes sense. I put in a dog lead in its place because I think that's the exercise I'm loving most. I've got a lockdown dog. I'm loving her. And I'm out two or three times a day, which apparently that's quite a lot. But I'm... It's a it's good piece. Good, yeah. Um, good for your brain. Yeah, totally. Uh, headphones, they're always on. Yep. Uh, Liverpool sun hat, needs an explanation. Um, a wine glass. Um, With wine love, in it, I'm guessing. Yeah, a Barolo. To be specific. I love an Italian red, but a Barolo yeah. particularly. Right. And the other one, I, I, I put a load of different things down for the other one. Then I realised that I've got nothing that I do with my kids. Well, actually, I watched Liverpool with my son. But I put snowboard down, which I only go once a year. But it's by far and away me and my cool. kids' favourite thing to do in the world. Yeah. So it, it's one where... I mean, I've done it for quite a long time. I and mean, I can get off-piste yeah. and then blacks. I don't really jump oh. very well. My son is fearless. He's 20 now. And he mm. takes on kickers, which is a, is a big jump far too big for his skills and, and hurts himself but sort of gets up and carries on I know that I break a bit easier now than given my age so I don't do things like that but it's the holiday that we will definitely do way past the age where kids they should be going away with me yeah, because yeah. it's sort of our thing brilliant no what you mean about the falling like, I feel that now I feel like I don't fall over anymore. I have a fall. You know? <laughs> it, you're absolutely right. It really changes and uh, it hurt. I mean, it hurts. <laughs> yeah. Like, it really hurts. I don't bounce anymore. No, no. Um, and watching him, I mean, he does sort of crazy stuff. He'll fall over and he sort of he gets up as he's falling over. Whereas I sort of fall over, sort of try and get myself back together again. <laughs> exactly that. Yeah, I can't just bounce up again. So I'm aware of my um, frailty, shall we say. <laughs> Uh, I mean, you've you've mentioned your lockdown dog. Um, I'm going to ask you what three items in your house are giving you comfort in these social distancing times. But assuming that pets, people, yeah. everything alive, are already doing that. Um, 
so I again I feel a bit a bit like the walking the dog. I realised when I was looking through these, everything was there to distract me from what was going on. So I put a yoga mat in there. Um, I've done loads of yoga meditation, just quiet my okay. mind every day and sort of chill. And actually, thankfully, it's worked. Um, I put James Bond collection in there because I've watched a few collections. I watched James Bond and Harry Potter. Both well, James Bond was sort of what I grew up with, and mm. you know, it's really interesting to see actually watch them in order and see how they've evolved and become more politically correct if nothing else but uh, and then harry potter where this what i watch with my kids we grew up with it so anyway i'll put james bond in there not harry potter even though it's me i watched them in order and that was very good and then i, I put a pie dish the other one I've, I've done loads of cooking and really enjoyed it and i don't eat a great deal of meat i eat quite a lot of fish and veg but when i do eat meat i really enjoy it and pie would probably be my favorite meat which might sort of fill some people with horror but um that's been good good wow. tradition yeah. yeah. Um, if you could change the industry in one way right now, what would you do? Uh, well, easy. From my perspective, I'd make sure ad revenue goes to the creators of quality content more fairly um, than it does currently. And that's quality content of all kinds. So, you know, audio, visual, journalism, the works, I think, is an unfair balance. And, and, a, and I do worry whether we'd look back and regress it in years to come. I think it's an issue that needs to be at the forefront of consideration for 2021. I really do. Oh, that's good to hear. That's good to hear. Thank you. Yes. Uh, if we were to give you a billboard, Chris, where would you put it and what would it say? So, <laughs> the first thing I wrote, and like, gosh, this feels like it's littered with football references. <laughs> I, I, I put one outside Old Trafford and it would just say champions. And then I thought that's really not what you meant. And actually, I wouldn't have done it, done it anyway, for fear of retribution from all the United fans across the world. Um, you know, I, mean, I've, I feel we're just this is a very weird time, not just because COVID, it's just, just in general, it's been a tough few years. And I feel that everything's become black and white. If you don't agree with me, you're against me. Yeah. I'm not going to listen to your views because I've already decided what my views are. And this is this is life. There's nothing to do with politics or or, or Brexit or just anything really. We just sort of stopped listening. And mm. so I sort of played around with a few things. I'm not quite sure this quite hits the spot, but I put live life believing that everyone has got good intentions. Um, sorry about that. Uh, right. See things as they are. Don't be led by the distortion created by your thoughts and the bounce chatter in your head. Which is, I mean, let's face it, we all get sort of tied down by well what would it be by that or uh, you know I think I'm right not them but I think we could get a little bit further especially in challenged times if we sort of you know came at everything with well maybe they mean good that's great right and now our final question from the box of uh right. from this questions from the school of life and if you could pick one of three Chris um uh, so this is going to be sort of one, two, right, okay, left. Brilliant. And the question is, um, where does your model of a normal home life come from? Uh, my mum. Actually, my mum and my sister. That's an affair with my sister. I was, so I mean, I, I, my, unfortunately, my dad died when I was 12. So I've... Um, so my sort of my my teenage years where I think sort of a lot of our sort of development comes from would be very much my my mum. So she would be the person I most want to emulate. I copy her Christmases, sort of rightly or wrongly. Yeah. And I find myself still still thinking, what would my mum do? Um, so my mum and, and my older sister, because, I bet if, you know, I'm the, the younger brother of like, yeah. you know, in a, in a family with two women who are both older, who both spoiled me and mothered me um, 
raised oh, by women can't go wrong actually not <laughs> no no so I, I would say um that would be it that's brilliant thank you chris we've packed a lot of humanity and wisdom into a very short amount of time thank you very much for your time thank you thank you chris